Uh, hey, Mike, how are you doing? Oh, boy. I'm full of energy. I'm full of go, go, go. Yes, me too. Yeah. Woo. Let's do this podcast. Podcast. I'm trying to I'm trying to bring the bring the go juice to the podcast. Okay. Do you feel goad? Um yeah, let's let's do this. Alright. So uh this week there was a um uh, no, nothing really happened. It's been kind of a slow week. We're building up to next week a big Apple event, which will have lots of awesome stuff. And um, then um, after that, it's the holidays and everyone stops caring again. <clears throat> so yeah. So what? I mean, so what's happening next week? We're getting the new Mac Pro. Well, new we're Mac- gonna we're gonna get a second look at the Mac Pro that's going to eventually come. Yeah, it sounds like if, if I were to have to bet, um, and I do because I have an addiction, um, I would say we will hear a shipping date, but it will not ship next week. It'll ship sort of late November, I would guess. Uh, sounds like it's probably not quite ready. I We will see, I think, um, new MacBook Pros running the new whatever chipset has well. Is that the good one? Yeah, as well. Whatever. And um, that'll be nice. So MacBook Pro Retinas. Yes. Okay. I, and I assume they'll f- kill off the, the 15s with this release, you would think, the non-retinas. Yeah. Because um, they're certainly not going to update those with new chipsets and things. Right. Um, and the big question there will be whether Apple is going to keep going the discrete graphics route. I think there are good cases to be made both ways. Yeah, I mean, I think I, personally, I feel like they have to keep the GPU just to keep the line differentiated. I mean, at some point, they're going to have to retinaize the errors. Right. And at that point, what's the selling? What's you know? What's the big selling factor between what? the MacBook and the MacBook Air? Yeah, at that point, I would expect they would kill the 13-inch MacBook Pro, and it would go 11, 13, 15, and the 15 is the only non-Air. So basically, they're all Airs at that point. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like they can... I feel like they... They don't lose anything having this product differentiation. I mean, it lets them take extra money from people who have too much money. Right? Yeah. I guess I mean I think the bigger the 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 counter argument is that um, you know the dual GPU system doesn't seem to be great for anyone. It doesn't deliver on the promises I think for for a lot of users. Um, and as Intel gets better, and a lot of the reason Intel's get getting better is that Apple's put so much pressure on them to get better. Um, you know the gap is narrowing. Obviously. It, would you know greatly piss off a lot of people in our industry but for the most people buying macbook pros i don't know that it would matter yeah hmm i, I mean, don't know i mean so apple's making a big push with OpenCL with the new mac pro would they really transition to a state where that's the only machine where you can get gpu compute um, can't you get GPU compute with the new Intel video? Yeah, stuff? but it's kind of I don't know. It's 
It's not real. Okay. Uh, and, and what about, I guess there's the iMac. Um, I think you can still get that with it. Yeah, you definitely can yeah, still get that. Yeah, that comes with, with some really, I mean, they just, they just revved those with nicer GPUs, actually. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I think, the, the counter argument to your idea. Sure. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it's just on my retina, at least, um, you know, one if you're not as nerdy as me, I assume you almost always are running with the integrated GPU because, or the, the discrete GPU when you're on battery power because so many processes get hung up requesting the GPU and never get cleared. You know, just the other day I had the dock. The dock was requesting the discrete GPU, and so it was stuck on the discrete GPU. Um, sometimes the Adobe Creative Cloud menu item gets stuck requesting. Right. You know, all these things transmit does sometimes. Um, right. and, and unless you have a copy of, you know, the graphics card app or, you know, you're digging around an activity monitor, which doesn't necessarily tell you, like the activity monitor didn't tell me about the dock, um, you're not going to know and you're just going to not be getting the battery life you were promised. Right. Um, do people care? Well, if you paid two grand for a laptop and it gets 30% less battery life than you were promised. Aren't we all used to that? I mean, don't, isn't that just what we imagine? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I feel I, like I've never been trained. Like, I have not owned a laptop yet that has trained me to expect more or even the amount of time that's quoted. I think, in product literature. I think that's kind of an old-fashioned look. I mean, all the testing shows that the new Airs get the same or better than their last releases, um, and 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 the same, I should say, the same or better than the advertised numbers. Um, and with my MacBook Pro, if I'm careful and a monitor that I'm not actually running on the discrete GPU, um, I get, you know, the promised battery life. Huh. So, I don't know. Um I just think it would remove a source of a lot of confusion and implementation complexity, um, but at the expense of graphical performance. And I don't know what the this um, delta is between um, the new Intel integrated and what they would get in an NVIDIA chip at this point. Right. I mean, the problem is they've both gotten better right it's the last release yeah i mean um, my my thinking is that the new intel stuff is about probably as good as the discrete stuff in my current machine is that reasonable mm, i mean you've got the kepler chipset in there that was a that was a beefy gpu mm-hmm. i don't think the what is it now the intel 3000 4000 they're on now uh, i'm not sure it's it 4000 in the house well doesn't it have a special name now mm, maybe I have not kept up on the the integrated side as much. But I know they basically got, you know, a 2x increase with Haswell. Yeah. And I still don't think that puts them anywhere close to... I mean, it gets them closer to where NVIDIA was a year ago, but I don't know. I I think you can do much better now with the discrete GPU. Sure. Well, so it looks like, uh, yeah. This I is- mean, those machines were not over. I mean, there wasn't a lot of wiggle room there. They were not like overpowered, right? Graphically, so I think, you know, basically getting 
if they bump both the integrated and the discrete, then it'll finally be like, you know, a 2.0 version of a product, the kind of thing where Apple finally like hits the sweet spot. Yeah. I don't think they, you know, I think, I think they'd be keeping it in sort of its, you know, teething pain purgatory if they were to drop discrete at this point. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, this machine is definitely underpowered graphically. Um, do you know, see, I'm, I'm just looking at some benchmarks here, but I don't know the product lines well enough. The NVIDIA G, GT640, do you know anything about that chip? No, that's right, yeah. that's one of their laptop ones? I'm not sure. I mean, I'm just looking at um, benchmarks that put the, the new Haswell chipset only a little bit below that in terms of performance. Hmm. But yeah, without knowing... Uh, without knowing enough about uh, all these different product lines, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I imagine they're going... I don't. I, I feel like, you know, they tend to do fairly small revisions at a point like this. Like, I imagine they'll just sort of rev everything so you'll get faster CPU, faster GPU, maybe Thunderbolt 2.0. Yeah, definitely, I think. Maybe... Um, you know, I'm not sure what else I need to do in order to make people happy there. More RAM, maybe. Um, yeah, the PCIe SSDs are sort of. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Um, yeah. They yeah. didn't have that in yours. No, I guess not. No, it's on um, 60 SATA. Hmm. Although it's plenty fast, it's just obviously you know that lets them right. go to a single production line. Sure. Um, so yeah, I. I uh, what else is so? Are they doing? They're going to do iPads too. iPads as well, yeah. Retina Mac or iPad Minis and new iPad Five with a slightly smaller form factor and presumably the A7 chip or you know sure. some variation on it. Um, so they so the the internet is saying that they're going Retina Mini. That has been consensus over the last few days, um, but still some questions about production volumes and whether they can ramp it. I mean, yeah. That's sort of the thing you put at the end of any rumor right now with from Apple. Right. I mean, especially given going into the holiday season and the right it's just, I mean, bulk seller. Everything Apple makes. I mean, the Apple TV is the only thing Apple makes that doesn't sell too many to be produced. I mean, like, there's just... I don't know. I don't think there's a way to meet demand on the first day with one of these things anymore. Right. And uh, I, and I, I probably don't really want to either. You did. You brought up the uh, the Apple TV. I should say there is a rumor about a refresh of that, but you know that's not going to be at the event though. Yeah, that's just going to like show up when you order a regular Apple TV. They're like, "Oops, we yeah. changed it. We forgot to tell you." I assume if if there's going to be actual changes to the Apple TV at this point, that would warrant its own event. Like if they actually are doing their big push into TV that's been rumored forever. Yeah, but they're not. I mean, no, they aren't, are they? I don't think so. Um, I think that's next year. I think that's just... I just can't see them doing it. Um, Uh, Maybe they will. So, yeah, I mean, the interesting thing will be if the Retina iPad Mini totally replaces the iPad Mini or if they actually are able to drive iPad Mini prices down and do a four-product line. Or five. Four, five, four, four. 
because <laughs> they sell two iPad normal iPads right now. I think you can get the. Can you? Can you still buy a crappy big iPad? Yeah, you can buy an iPad too. God, that's a crappy machine. Yeah. Don't do that if you're buying iPads. Wait until next week when they're refurb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they pay you to take them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would obviously be great for Apple to get the pricing on an iPad down further, but it's hard to believe that there's going to be that much wiggle room in a drop. I mean, well, I, and I mean, do they even want to? They're at what two ninety nine right now for three, the base three, mini. Three twenty nine, I think. If they could bring it down to two ninety nine, that would be symbolically a big deal. Yeah, that would be nice. But I can't imagine them wanting to get below that. Um, I mean, I'm sure they need to figure out someone who will subsidize them. Yeah, like Walmart. Um, if you buy enough groceries. I think you can do that through a lot of get an now. iPad for I think my bank will give me an iPad if I I don't know. Oh, I'll get an iPad if I just fill out whatever survey about whatever. Yeah. And I'll be entered to win one. Um I'm always amazed so okay. I'm always amazed by people who want me to take like companies who want to entice me to do something surrounding their product and they like the tacit admission that like giving me a discount on their product will not incentivize me at all. <laughs> yeah. Like we want to ask you about this thing. We would give you 20% off, but we know it's a piece of shit. So what we're going to do instead is we're put you in a raffle to win an iPad. Right. Like what? It's so weird, but everyone does it. Uh, do you think, I mean, I've often wondered, do those actually get given away? Oh yeah, so you're being cynical here. You think you think this is all a scam? Yeah. So, wow. If they give you something you actually would use, like a discount for their software, you might actually use it. No, no. I mean, you're saying you're saying anytime something's raffled, there's a good chance that no one gets it ever. Yeah. Okay, and that like when you yeah okay I gotcha. I mean, like the other the other week, it was the St. Paul Art Crawl. Um, mm-hmm. and so if you went to all the different buildings and got your St. Paul art crawl passport stamped, you could enter <laughs> a drawing to win some prizes, but mm-hmm. you had to like leave it there. And then presumably you get contacted if you won. So there's no way to verify that anyone was actually contacted. Mm. So I think you can only assume that it was a scam. True. Um, given that reality is full of lies. Yeah, I'm trying to think of... Uh, I can't come up with a good example of something else like this. Um, I also, I, I'm still bitter that I apparently did not win. Yeah. Huh. All my stamps. Um. <laughs> oh. So they've gamified your art crawl now? Yeah. Oh, Christ. I And I also I, I won some badges, I think. Oh, my God. Um, the uh, yeah. what hasn't been ga- there's got to be something left that we can gamify um, let's see we've done healthcare um, we've done can we game binge drinking Isn't I mean I know like you know there's there's drinking games but I feel like there should be a way to compete against random strangers ooh that's a good oh internet connected breathalyzers oh, oh. Like a Fitbit, but for 
drunk acidness. Yeah. And then you try to like show up your friends by being drunker than them. Yeah. And it'll track both how drunk you are and how fast you're moving. <laughs> and like multiply the two together with some algorithm. That gives you your score. So like if you're drunk on the top of a train, you're you're way better off. Definitely. Or like in a uh, drunk on a plane. Drunk flying a plane. <laughs> this is a good idea. Yeah. Parachuting? Oh, see that'd be the way to win. Just get like blackout drunk and jump out of <laughs> hit terminal velocity. Yeah. Hmm. I like this, this idea. This is good. Yeah, I think we're we think we're really close to cracking this nut. Yes. Um, hey, so earlier, um, earlier, I was gonna I was gonna use a uh, segue, but we weren't ready to move on yet. Oh. And so I saved the segue, and I'm not oh, gonna Christ. bring it back up. Is this a segue now? Yeah, this is the segue. <laughs> The segue is, um, you were saying, if only they could figure out a way to get people to subsidize iPads. And I was going to say, hey, speaking of things that aren't subsidized, I moved to T-Mobile. Oh, uh, yeah. We talked about this. Was that last time? Last, time, last, time, last, I was, last time we brought up their new world plan, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then um, I was thinking, and I then as the, the episode progressed, you know, yeah, you planted the seed. The seed of utter destruction, and then you on, easy way out, which was go and buy a prepaid sim. Right. So on Monday, I went down to the store and um, talked to a nice gentleman and bought a prepaid sim. I've now I've since learned that there's an even better way to do that, which is that they have a pay by the day plan, um, and so you can actually do that and have even less hassle because the prepaid sim I like prepaid for a month and then had to get them to roll it over. But um, if you just want to try it out. Like if the world service is interesting to you or the idea of just moving off of your carrier is interesting, you can go get like a, a day-by-day card and just try it for a day. And if it doesn't work, you're out, you know, $2 or something. Nice. Um, but I did a I did a month of prepaid and played with it for a week. I, you know, forwarded my phone number to the burner number that I got with the prepaid. Um, and the result was that it's sort of, about on par with Verizon here in town. Um, performance is a little bit better, actually, in most cases. Reception seems marginally worse, but um, at the places I'm most frequently, it's plenty usable, which is all that really matters. Um, and so today I went down and I ported my number and, and switched to a postpaid account. So I, you know, I put a ring on it, as it were. And um, Postpaid, so that means, what does that mean? That means that you didn't get a phone with it. Right, so it's it it's what would be a contract if there was a contract. Um, it just means that you don't have to go, you don't have to actively like recharge your account at the start of each month. They're going to just okay. bill you. For so it's their... a fixed rate monthly fee, right? But so, there's no cancellation charge, right? So I'm paying sixty dollars a month, actually a little less because of a discount, but uh, sixty dollars a month for unlimited talk unlimited texts and 2.5 gigs of data um for an extra ten dollars you can go to unlimited data that includes tethering um wow and the world roaming you know free data anywhere in the world um and the cool thing is because they don't have contracts and because they don't sort of do any overages if you go past that 2.5 gigs of data they just um, roll you to the unlimited? No, they just uh, slow your speed down to like uh, 3G speed or 4G speed instead of LTE speed. Wait, really? Yeah. So there's no, there's not even a charge. You can just keep using your phone. Yeah. 
Wait, I'm confused. So there is no way to exceed your data cap and get billed for it. All you're paying for is X gigs of LTE data, basically. Are they like... Do they like steal your blood and sell it? <laughs> How do they... Where's the, I don't get the part where, they, where they're raping you. Yeah, that's that's sort of a thing. I mean, I've heard. No, that, but I mean, I don't get it. I've heard that if you, this for doesn't example, sound like a business model. If you were to use your phone as your only internet connectivity for your house and like routinely burned through dozens of gigs of data, um, they would yell at you and and like cancel your service. Um, but if you're just sort of exceeding your cap in a you know honest way, they just slow you down, and that's it. I'm so confused. Yeah. And their and their stock, their shareholders let them do this? Um apparently. I mean, you know, it's it's all part of what we discussed last week, which is that I feel like there should be a lawsuit. A small company and they're trying to compete and they're competing by not being horrible. Hmm. So I'm going from $117 a month to 60 and getting more stuff. Um the downside is, you know, if I were to routinely travel to outstate Minnesota, for example, I would have much inferior coverage. Hmm. Now, strange. You know, looking forward, um, I think that the future is relatively bright for T-Mobile. Um, they're in the process of a merger with a company called Metro PCS, which you may remember. They oh, were, they are. They were a CDMA provider, but. Um, well, they bought Sprint CDMA network when they switched right to digital and or to whatever. yeah yeah yeah. So T-Mobile's bought them and is in the process of rolling their spectrum into T-Mobile and in certain parts of the country, including the Bay Area, that actually is going to be a significant bump for T-Mobile users. Yeah, because they're actually fairly big on here. Yeah, he, and Florida and a few other places. Um, and they're not even PCS anymore. Right. Like they've been they've been doing LTE for a while. Right. So, or 4G, yes, but yeah. Oh, that, that'll be a good thing. And then there's also, um, you know, because T-Mobile is a GSM provider, their primary roaming partner is AT&T. And um, it seems like the roaming deals between AT&T and T-Mobile have been in flux lately. Um, so, you know, depending on how things go in the future, um, you know, it ideally you would be able to roam onto AT&T's network at any time. And that isn't always the case, apparently, depending on regional deals and things. So, oh, interesting. Um, that's what creates some of the roaming issues for for T-Mobile at the moment. But, right. anyways, you know, I'll see how it goes. My sort of fallback from this, um, because regardless of how it works with T-Mobile, I'm really now enjoying the idea of not being tied into a contract. Um, I think I would probably go to AT&T's Go Phone, which is a similar um, prepaid service. Hmm. Um, Verizon also has a prepaid service, but it doesn't offer LTE, uh, which is unfortunate and. You know, once you've sort of broken out of the contract system and you own a device, a lot of these companies don't let you get into a postpaid environment without actually buying a device and signing a contract. So Right, or just signing. I mean, they don't care if you get the device or not, but they want you to sign the contract. Right, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So we shall see. That's really cool. Yeah, I'll be curious to know how it performs out in the Bay Area um, next time I'm out there because I've heard some people saying it's great and some people saying it's really horrible. Um, but but people say that about their phones. That's I mean, sort of my take, yeah. 
basically like your phone works fine most of the time and so you don't think about it and so you're not like wow this phone works so great and then like the one time it doesn't work it's like you know one star yeah yeah it's horrible i can't believe can't believe this doesn't work here i am in this bank vault and my damn phone doesn't work the one time i need to make a phone call on this plane yeah yeah i don't know i mean cool I, that's good to hear. Yeah. I don't understand. I still don't get their I don't get their angle. They yeah. must be doing something. <laughs> Arbitrary. Are you sure you're, are you like drug mule? <laughs> maybe maybe your sim is filled with a small amount of cocaine. Yeah, they did say every time I uh I leave Every time country, you're in in Mexico, you should swap out your sim. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, that's a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not the most effective way. Yeah. I think it's probably easier to just use FedEx and Tor. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Anyways, moving on. Let's see. Hey, so, okay. Moving on to the top of our actual list. Um, the Castar AR VR system. Did you back this? No, God, no. Oh, okay. I thought you had for some reason. Whoa, no. I'm, I'm so, no, never. Okay. Okay, so it's neat. We should probably tell people what yeah, it is. Yeah, what like I don't thing. get. It. Okay, so you, it's like a pair of glasses that have little Pico projectors on them, and the projectors project sort of a weak weak sauce projection out into the world. And the idea is that it it's not very bright and it's polarized. But what you can do is you can put down a um, front projection screen the kind of screen that bounces everything back at the same angle. Um, they yeah. work with all like glass beads. It's the same way you do, what was that green screen technology called? Oh, I'm not going to remember it, but yeah, the yeah. Uh, uh, something ring. I don't know. Mm, yeah, but it works with like a few little LEDs and enough, like, because most of the light bounces back in the same direction it came from. It actually looks green from these few LEDs lighting it. This is the same deal. So the projector projects out your right eye and left eye, and they bounce off this thing and come back, and they're bright enough, you know, like no one else can see it, but because all the light's hitting your eyes, you know, a Pico projector is actually bright enough to use in, you know, a lit room. And then, you know, they can do the two-eye thing, and you can have multiple people spraying on the same, you know, screen. I don't I don't get it exactly. It seemed like it seemed like a really you know sort of neat hack for 2i you know like 3D and a little bit of like you know not blocking out the, your surroundings and being able to choose like where everything shows up because you have these little like you know rolls of fabric you roll out. But I don't, I don't know. I don't see the there, there. Yeah. What is your take on the Kickstarter project in general? Do you think it's something achievable for a company of their size? And, and where Yeah, I mean, they seem to be, you know, they're both people who've done, you know, stuff in the past. It seems like they have the chops to do it. Um, and it's getting, you know, it's getting lots of funding. They have, you know, sounds like they've been doing the circuit with demo units. You know, like 
proof of concept units that yeah. had them like maker fairs and things. So yeah, I don't see any reason why it won't work. I just don't. You know, it's like the it's the same thing we have with like the Oculus and a couple other things. So like we're coming. I mean, maybe these are all like interrelated enough that people can actually like find some ecosystem of people who've bought any one of these and wants 3D. But it seems to me that the chances of any one of these having a large enough installed base that people are going to create like real products for it. You know, because all of these are like a hardware system looking for a killer app. Uh, You know, the same thing we have with the Leap. And it's hard to imagine someone making a killer app for it until there's a good market. Right. So, you know, it's a chicken and egg problem. Yeah. I don't know. It's, you know, it seems interesting. I'd like to put one on at some point. If yeah. I'm, I don't make it fair or something when they have them. Yeah. I'll I, wait. I mean, it's cool. Um, I. So, am I right that uh, maybe you said this, but I, I'm, I didn't think so. Um, does it have head tracking? No, I don't think it does. Okay. It doesn't have. No, it does have to. It must have head tracking. I don't know. I would have to look through this. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, it seems like that's actually the in- more interesting part of Oculus is the really low latency head tracking. Right. Um, yeah, this must do. How do they do that? I don't know. Because they did show it working. Oh, yeah. A tiny camera in between the projector scans for infrared identification markers placed on the surface. Oh, uh, okay. So they project, or they have that built in and then... Built into their screen, they have infrared-like tracker uh, codes. Okay. Interesting. Um, well, yeah. Hope they succeed. Hope they actually ship a product. Um, like my espresso machine. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. So um, somewhat related, actually. I'm curious um, because there's been a lot of buzz on Twitter today from people who have reason to buzz about NVIDIA's new G-Sync technology. Yeah, um, this is nice. You get this more than I do. So can you give us a rundown? Sure. So the way that video works. So let's talk Let's talk about this in relation to Scopebox, right? Because that's yeah. what we know. Um So imagine you've got a video signal coming in and you're doing 60p, right? So you've got 60 frames a second that you're decoding and you want to draw them to screen. Let's say we're doing some sort of processing on them too, like you're playing back a video or something, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want that to look good on a screen, and if you don't want it to look like it's stuttering, it needs to be projected. Each frame needs to be up for one sixtieth of a second, right? You want everything to have an equal time on screen. Now, very few screens are run, have a sync rate of 60 frames a second. And so what happens is the screen gets drawn from the top to the bottom. And most, so you can either, as soon as you're done decoding the frame or every 60th of a second, you say, draw this to the screen. 
you can either just do that without this, you know, while the screen is redrawing top to bottom. And what will happen is you'll end up with, you know, the screen is halfway through redrawing and you say, draw this frame. And it just is okay. And it just starts from that point on the screen and draws down. And so you end up getting the top half of the screen was already drawn with frame one of your video. You say, draw frame two, and it starts drawing. And so from that line down, you get frame two. And then the next time it draws the screen, assuming you haven't told it to draw anything new, it draws the rest of frame two at the top and then, you know, keeps going. So it just redraws the bottom of frame two again. And so that's tearing. Right, that's tearing. And so they solved that. What they do is they only update the screen. You know, so say you have something that's moving like left to right really quickly, like a pan or something, or a guy running, or a bus or something. Sure. You'll see those lines where you switch frames because the the object will actually tear into two pieces. And, you know, the bottom half of the bus will be ahead of the top half of the bus if it happens regularly. Mm-hmm. Um. And so the solution to that is what's called vSync, where you only update the screen in that fraction of a second when it just finished drawing the entire screen. You update everything, and then you let it draw again. Right? So never change what's drawing mid-draw. And that works. The problem then is you have a very small window of time in which you can push content to the screen. Mm-hmm. Basically, because it's always drawing. There's just that, like, you know, if you're know, if you updating the screen at 70 times a second, let's say, and you, you know, most of that time is spent drawing the screen. There's very little time where you're, like, at the bottom, moving back up to the top to start again. Um, and so... What everyone does is they double buffer, meaning they keep track of two frames. So you draw into a frame, and then you send it off to the screen, and the screen, you know, the GPU basically handles when that's going to get drawn. It's going to happen the next time the screen redraws, um, and then you can immediately start drawing into the next next frame. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the. And the problem with this comes in when, so you just send that frame that's completed when you're done drawing it. You just send it to the GPU and you say, draw it next time. Um, And so let's say in this case where you have a 70 hertz refresh, right? Yeah. And you have a 60p piece of video. What happens now is, let's say you have a perfect internal clock and you're able to draw those frames every single time at exactly 1 60th of a second. Well, that doesn't divide into 70th of a second. So what happens is you'll display frame 1 for a 60th of a second, frame 2 for a 60th of a second, or sorry, a 70th of a second, frame 2 for a 70th of a second, and eventually you're going to like run out of frames to draw. Or sorry, let me go back. So you're going to draw frame one for a 70th of a second, frame two for a 70th of a second. And eventually, you know, you're like eating into your time here and you're actually like starting to play ahead of time. And so you have to wait to draw the next frame at some point or you're going to lose audio sync. And so frame three is up for a 35th of a second because you have to just play it twice in a row. 
And then, then you're back on time. So frame four is a 70th of a second. And the solution to this, you know, and so what happens is you get these little micro stutters, which is the kind of thing you can see on movement because some frames last twice as long as other frames. Yeah. And when you're doing games and stuff, it can be even worse because you can get pretty low in frame rates, like, you know, a 40th of a second, a 30th of a second. Um, in which case, you know, you have pretty drastic stuttering sometimes. Um, and it's sort of non-deterministic when it's going to occur, just based on, like, you know, whether you hit that, you know, nice fractions every time. Mm-hmm. Um and so what can what G-Sync lets you do is it removes the internal clock in the screen. So the screen no longer has a, a constant refresh rate. It doesn't say like, okay, I got to go now. Do you have anything? I got to go now. Do you have anything? I got to go now. Do you have anything? So in that case where we have like a 60 frame per second video that we're playing, the screen will just every time we say we have a new frame, here it is it will redraw the screen. And if it takes us, you know, a little bit longer to decode the next frame because, you know, something's happening in the hard drive or something, the screen will wait. And then when we say, okay, now we have a frame, it'll draw it. Uh, Which means that, so this does a few really cool things. One, we get rid of all that stuttering you know, the only stuttering introduced now is in like having a video pipeline that isn't um, deterministic time-wise. But you can fix that pretty easily in software. Mm-hmm. And because we no longer have to worry about missing our our sync, we don't need to double buffer anymore either. Which means you can drop your latency by a whole frame as well. Wow. So, I mean, there's like a couple really good things about this. And it also means you can drive the monitor at whatever frame rate you want. Now, where this will get interesting is how, I mean, this is obviously a, you know, an easy win for video games. Um, it's going to be more interesting to see how they sort of do this at a window level. <laughs> yeah. Because they can't. Um, that's the problem. So then you end up I mean, if the monitor can be like crazy overdriven time-wise, you could just imagine updating any time any window is ready to draw. Right. You know, you just keep a buffer in the monitor, and then one screen says, oh, I need to be updated. You push that, and then you go. And then, or I don't know, or like, you know, we'll have to see how this well, gets exposed no, API-wise. There's another technology, and I'm forgetting the name on this, um, where you do put a buffer in the monitor, and the idea is that the GPU can actually completely power down between redraws. Um, oh. And I'm, I'm blanking on the name for this, but the idea was like if you're doing normal windowing stuff, a lot of times you don't need a 60 hertz refresh. You, you, know, you may not, like right now, you know, the only thing changing on my screen is this Skype clock updating once a second. Right. Um, so you only need to update it once a second. Right. No. And so this technology would let my GPU actually be, act, you know, active for only one sixtieth of a second every second. Right. Um, right. And then the monitor would keep a buffer and just keep redrawing itself. And apparently that's not integrated with this. It's a completely separate thing. But, you, you know, you can see how those two could work together. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, the other thing is this is... 
This sounds like something they could always do in like an iPad form factor. Like I'm not sure there was any technical reason why that couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if anyone's doing it. Um, but this seems to be specifically targeted towards external monitors. Right. So the idea is, you know, they figured out a way to basically push this over DisplayPort, um, most likely without changing the spec too much. I mean, it sounds like they can do it in a way that, you know, you'll basically flag something on your graphics preference, you know, your graphics driver preferences on your Windows machine. I don't know, in the control panel. Yeah. Um, it does require, we should say, specific hardware support. New monitors, yeah. yeah. So the monitors require, a, you know, they basically designed a little board that the manufacturers are going to have to, you know, recreate inside the monitor. But, you know, it sounds really doable. And it sounds like it's, you know, it's definitely a win for gaming. I'm not sure. We'll have to see what sort of solutions they come up with for other use cases. Yeah. Because this, you know, this really screams useful for high frame rate, full screen content. Less so for other things. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting also, you know, right now this is an NVIDIA technology. Smart people on the internet seem to think that it will put, be adopted by everyone in the industry as a de facto standard. Yeah, it seems like the kind of because they're basing it on DisplayPort and a couple other things, it sounds like it should be pretty easy for everyone to get on board. It'll just be, you know, there's not a technical reason, I don't think, why it, everyone couldn't. It'll just be a matter of how patenty things are. Right, right. But you have to imagine they want everyone's screens to adopt this. So. Yeah. Unless they get into the screen business, but they don't seem to intend to do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, well, it's it's cool. Uh, hopefully, we you know see some more of this. I wouldn't expect to see it in the next version of the Apple Cinema display, but oh, wouldn't that be great though? <laughs> they should though. Are they going to ship that? I really What's hope. What's the so. rumor on that? Uh, no rumors at all. So okay, I heard something on Twitter yesterday. From someone who's in the past seen hardware ahead of time. On a Retina version or? Yeah, on a 4K. Yeah, no, sorry, 4K. Yeah. yeah. That'd be pretty nice. That'd be great. They should do that. I'm on board uh, with your money. Right. Um, cool. Well, we may know next week. We will see. Yeah. So. The, I don't know. Do we need to talk about any of these other The things? only other one I want to talk about was the tremor canceling spoon, because I think that's kind of awesome. Yeah, that was pretty neat. And I think that's a really good example of something that is doable today because of all of the things we talk about all the time, like, you know, iPhones driving miniaturization of accelerometers and, you know, all these other things being put together in a really cool, innovative device. Yeah. So this is basically a Movi for your spoon. Um. You know, we talked about Movi, we talked about AR drones and all that other stuff. And this is that same, like, motion-canceling accelerometer, real-time, gyro-stabilized dealio, except it's a spoon. So you hold the spoon, you hold this big controller, basically, like a Wiimote, and then there's a spoon sticking on the end, but the spoon is 
attached to a, you know a gimbal system basically which dampens out all of your hand movements on the controller side and the idea this is for people with parkinson's or other tremor disorders and the idea is like yeah so your hand can shake and you can still eat it's it's not something I think people would have thought of yeah. until recently. Like it's it's sort of an ingenious solution to a problem. Well, it's sort of like um, I heard on um, I think it was on the Accidental Tech podcast. Um, I think Marco was talking about trying to implement um, uh, shake cancellation in Instapaper, you know, and finding that it it didn't work because there were, you know, in his estimation, there were too many other things in the system that made it too hard to, um, you know, be low latency enough to cancel out. So if you're riding a train trying to read your your phone and you want to cancel out the vibrations of the train, um, in in theory you could do that, but there's too much latency to actually do it. And in this case, you know, they found that you can't actually do it. Right. Right. Close the hardware. Yeah. Much faster. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's awesome. And I hope that they actually ship it and, you know, make it work. No. Um, Seem neat. It, it's probably part of a whole new class of devices that will also include things like the, you know, some of these different headsets and other things that really are, you know, are external hardware to counteract medical issues. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think it's a pretty interesting space. So, cool. Yeah, it's it's sort of it's always interesting to see how how wrong science fiction is, and yet also how right. Because what science fiction would say, we should. Uh, well, we're all going to be cyborgs someday, right? But really, you know, this is you know, it tends to be much more pedestrian than what we imagine, right? And yeah, but this actually makes lives better. Exactly. <laughs> and it didn't have to, I mean, you know, I think the cool thing is that it didn't have to go through an FDA approval process, right? It's a thing you right. buy at, you know, Target and it makes your life better. Right, exactly. Which is pretty awesome. So what's your chatter? Um, do we want to talk about gravity? You haven't seen gravity. Well, you that, should, was, see gravity. I was going to ask you about this because I, I didn't actually check out this article because I was worried it would be full of spoilers. Um, oh, and now, I mean, there's videos. Don't watch the videos, but... Okay. I mean, really, I... Yeah, the, it's not... It's a it's a ride. Okay. So it is... Is it VFX heavy? Yes, insofar as every single shot is entirely visual effects of some kind. Okay. Um, but it is not... Yeah, it's pretty splashy. Um, but it's very quiet. Okay. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to explain because there isn't a story there. So it's not like you'd say, like, oh, you know, it's not it's not a Michael Bay movie because it's, you know, it's about the plot. And then, But it's not about the plot because the plot's basically just a clock that's counting down. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, like, this really horrible um, backstory, which is dumb. Um I don't know. I mean, so there, yeah, it's not, it's not the great movie that everybody says. Um, but it is different than every other movie. 
I I mean the only thing I can say like I do not need another one of these movies. I do not, you know, this is not what are, you know, people are saying like this is the direction of movie making in the future. It's like a second one of these would be horrible. Okay. Um all going, you know, having every movie you go to be this would be, you know, just as bad as what we have right now with robots fixing things for us. Why? Or whatever. Superheroes, whatever. What's the crap we see every, you know, oh, what know. like every movie you go to see right now is about like a robot that's a superhero that saves things by blowing everything up. Um, you know, and then get kind of boring. Like the first film reviews like, by Mike. The first one was like, holy shit, look at everything that blew up. There's a robot. Awesome. And then, like, you're like, oh, it's another one of those. And then you're like, oh, wait, that's everything I can watch today at the movies. Um, so this was cool because it wasn't about a robot that blew shit up. But it wasn't. There wasn't a great plot, and there wasn't a great. I don't know. There wasn't much there there. It was just really cool to watch, and it had a sort of not horrible plot device to make the countdown really good. Um, and it looked really cool. But, you know, it was like a roller coaster. It wasn't a movie. Okay. But definitely, I mean, don't wait and watch it on Netflix because that will basically take all the riot part out of it and then you'll just have, like, the backstory and, you know... Sandra Bullock panting for 90 minutes. Sure. Okay. And those are not the two selling points. Yeah. Yeah, go see it in like IMAX 3D and take some speed before you go. Okay. So my normal movie viewing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. 3D, IMAX, you know, speed or no, probably speed. Okay, something in that family. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what... Uh, you can just like... Code red. You can do code red. That'd be fine. Okay. I can. I, can I? I'd rather do speed. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm not talking Mountain Dew. Oh. I'm talking uh, like the like the kids in the North Dakota. What? They they drink the Robitussin, the DM. Oh. Yeah. Do that. Do like a bottle of Robitussin DM, and then go see it. Okay. Done. Okay. Um. My chatter this week is just a link to a package from um, DS, DSLR Pros. Um, it's actually a link to a review on PVC that then links to the kit. But um, someone threw together a kit for doing um, helicopter droney footage with um, a Go, the new GoPro HD Ultra Plus or whatever the new model is called. Um, three, right? Yeah, but they, there's a plus in there, isn't there? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the three yeah. plus. Um, so what it is is it's the the basic drone is the dj phantom rig but then it's been upgraded with um bigger carbon fiber props and a bunch of protection and like a video transmitter rig and all kinds of other stuff and extra batteries and then a a monitor that attaches to the remote and i think a better remote as well um and everything's all pre-set up and ready to go to start shooting um aerial footage and I think it's pretty cool. It's under four grand, um, which oh, is you know not that much to shoot aerial 4K footage. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really cool. And, and I've been struck lately. Um, I was watching... Um, I, I've been struck by a number of things I've seen recently where 
realizing after the fact or from behind the scenes footage that certain shots were shot on GoPros, um, that, you know, the new GoPros plus good color correction basically means that stuff is indistinguishable in short segments from stuff shot on like an F55. Um, How are people? Yeah, we should have a talk about that. But, uh, it's, you know, impressive. Um, a lot of, I'm just, I'm seeing more of these sorts of quick aerial shots, um, that are obviously coming off GoPros in like commercial production. And it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's transformative. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyways, take a look if you're in the market or if you want to like send us one to test, uh, yeah, I should talk to it. That was a Jeff Foster thing, right? Yeah, he reviewed it. I'm pro. Yeah, mm, he lives nearby. Ooh, cool. I know. I should talk to him about that. <laughs> so should I do? Should I do my channel? I guess so. Yeah, you should. Okay. I don't know if gravity counted. Nah. Okay. Um, we should talk about the VFX band gravity once you see it. Yeah, we'll do that next week. Okay. Go see it this week. Um, so mine, I don't think I talked about this. I know I've seen it before, and I know I wanted to talk about it, but I'm not sure I'd ever made the, the actual No, I don't chatter. think I did, because I hadn't seen this link before. Okay, so it is a makeup and hair project called CV Dazzle. CV as in open um, CV, the Intel like image processing, video processing framework. And... The idea behind it is it's like an experiment in makeup and hair design to thwart facial recognition, Um, specifically facial detection. So not the like, you know, the thing where like, you know, on CSI where it runs through all the faces and then goes match. This is just like, you know, whether or not it even thinks there's a face in the shot. Right. So like the autofocus on your iPhone camera. Yeah, the little box it draws on your yeah. camera when you... Yeah, so this is like what you have to do to your face um, non, you know, non-surgically in order to not ever get focused on by an iPhone. <laughs> um, and it's interesting. I mean, this is one of those things that like... It's, you know, it's like straight out of a William Gibson novel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you could see, like, maybe people doing it Right, someday. if you're going like, to a protest or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't just do, like, a bandana over your face, but, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, I could see the kids doing this. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. interesting to see. And, this and, is one of those things that, like, glitch art, you could just imagine, like, having its day in, the, in pop culture someday. <laughs> you know, where it gets sort of, like separated from its original intent and it's just like oh weird suddenly yeah all the people who have no reason to fear like for selling mountain dew you know for a week or something yeah i don't know it seemed cool it was a it was an interesting you know art project i thought it was fun cool well um i'm gonna go get my tattoos done and uh (laughs) hope that open cv never improves yeah um all right cool well we'll talk to you next week Okay. Next week. Go yeah. see Gravity. I'll see Gravity and then we'll talk about iPads and forget about Gravity. No.